0: Uh, as a man, we almost feel like it's a necessity. Like if we're not going to be a leader or we don't have that desire, then something's wrong with us when there's a lot of men who don't want to be in that role and they're good with being in a different position or just kind of doing their job in different ways and not necessarily being the the top of the level C-suite kind of person. They don't, they don't want that responsibility. They don't want to take that on. And what I really struggle with is that they just they're looked at in such a downplayed way. Like they're less, than a man, less of a man and they're not worthy. And you know, you must not be capable of being a leader, which is at some level, it's like, you can be a leader in your own way. You can be a leader in the family. You can be a leader in your own life. Like there's so many other ways you can be a leader. It doesn't have to be in your business, right? And I think that's where we feel a lot of pressure. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space we created to help redefine what it means to be a powerful man in the modern era. I'm your co-host, CK. I'm your co-host, Ace Squared, Anwar Ahmed. And today, we're going to be talking a little bit about men and leadership and answering last week's PQ about men and leadership. But before we do that, you know what time it is. Move. Mm-hmm. Check. hey yo, yo yo, Coach Kyle, how you doing today, boy? You know I'd be way better if I wasn't being razzed so hard this morning, but I get it. It's all gravy. It's all get it. It's all, I get. I'm here for it. I'm here to put on a show. I'm here to do the thing.
1: Yeah, we're, we always come in. We all set up, and Coach Kyle decided that he was load management today, and just <laughs> sitting there eating his apples, his pears, watching the boys move around him, set up his station, and. I just I just thought I had to let them know that hey we're playing a playoff game today so if you want to dress up oh my god we're hooping <laughs> I there and was a he's moment, calling that getting razzed I don't know what's going on
0: there was a moment there where I was sitting there and I actually just didn't even know where I was I must have fallen asleep in my own brain or something because I was you were at the I, spa I, like I was you researching actually at the for spa. this episode first and foremost I was doing work oh okay thank okay. you very much a b um I was probably at the spa. I was getting a little, uh, a little mental massage. massage A little yeah. mental massage Yeah, 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 yeah Exactly yeah. So, But I guess, at yeah. least you
1: guys are all the beneficiary of this Because he's ready to go now, right? I feel great yeah, Absolutely Head's massaged Like you said, I'm ready
0: to drop 40 Let's, Let's
1: go. go Let's go it's, <laughs> it's snowing a lot here, by the way Oh, here I'm we go like, Here we go It's, I mean, I left <laughs> Winnipeg for a reason And like, whew
0: we're getting a nice. It's a nice winter warm is, snow though. He it's a nice winter is snow. not going to come to Toronto. I don't understand. He thinks winter doesn't exist here. I don't know where he gets this if vision. Anyone
1: from. lives in Toronto, it's a little weird that it's here minus twenty two at the end of February. It's you know?
0: not, hey, well, one day, one day,
1: even the one day. It was it was cold for like a week straight at the end of February. It's supposed to be like March Madness next week. Usually, when March Madness comes, winter is on its way I, out. I can't, I, feel like I can't even look at you. Just can I can't even look at him. Feel like you just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing. Well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've, I don't know if we got your um, how your day is or how your week was going, but we know definitely how
0: your morning went. My morning is great. Absolutely. My week. My week was good. Uh, reflecting on it a little bit, um, I had some good wins. I think my biggest win this week was I was able to actually do a cold plunge in Lake Ontario for almost 10 minutes, nine and a half minutes. So that was impressive. I really enjoyed that. I've been trying to get like this really big time to just know I can do it. And you know, you and I have spoken about it before and I would have continued to stay in the water, but I actually ended up getting bored which I know is kind of weird. You're just, you think you'd be cold, right? But there's something about pushing past that cold where it just stops feeling cold. Yeah. But you're still aware of your body. It's not like hypothermic. You still know your body's there. You know, you can move. And that's the point where I was at. And so I was chilling there for a while. And then I just ended up getting out just cause. But what I recognize is that I don't, or I'm, I'm capable of doing that now. And so now for me pushing past that 10 minute mark isn't really like hey let's go do that because i feel like my body won't like that mm-hmm. but knowing i can is kind of where i really wanted to get past that point um and for those that don't follow me on socials before that my best time was 50 seconds so i basically went from 50 seconds to nine and a half minutes uh all because i just switched my mindset into different directions so that was my biggest one of the week um which has why, been why pretty a cold good.
1: plunge what's the what's the I guess story behind why someone would do it? What do you get out of it? What's mm, the what's the why?
0: There's a lot to it for anybody who's in that sports. Obviously, you know ice baths. Ice baths uh, is crucial to your body's repairing and making sure that you have you're healthy. But I take a cold shower every morning, and I do that because it wakes me up, right? So so that cold plunge is going to wake you up. So it's gonna it's it's a good energy movement, and then it is more of a mental game than anything is why the cold plunge is so powerful is because no one wants to willingly put themselves in a freezing cold lake. You know, that's not something you want to do, but if you can put yourself in that position and not only do that, but then control the fight or flight response, that's where the real win comes because the reason I only lasted 50 seconds was because my flight response took over. And so I let that beat me. I lost the war with my own mind. But the the last time I went nine and a half minutes, I walked in saying, no, I'm winning the war this time. And so what that teaches me is mental resiliency and it elevates my mental strength to be able to not only do that, but to do other things. Mm. Cause if someone were to come to me and say, this is hard, but can you do it? I'd be like, of course I can. Cause every single time I'm willingly putting myself either in the lake or turning that cold on in the shower. I teach my brain every single time that I can do uncomfortable things Mm -hmm. and that I don't need to deflect them or ignore them, uh, or that I'm not capable of doing them. It basically just willingly puts me in an uncomfortable position and something, uh, my old boxing coach actually taught me was just the concept of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, Right. It's a weird concept. And I think that you don't actually want to be comfortable Mm -hmm. in a sense, but it's just getting used to that concept because life's uncomfortable a lot of the time and you're going to be put in those positions that you don't see coming. So that's why I do that every single day is that there's also a bunch of health benefits that you can look up. It helps with hair. It helps with skin. It's literally foolproof. It's the best way for me in my mind to take care of your entire being mental and physical. And yeah, you can look it up and you can Google it. It's, it's intense. And I did a video on TikTok about it and people were actually telling me even more about the things that I didn't know. Um, if it, like if you have oily skin, it helps. Mm. I mean, cause it's cold. So I think it dries it out. I'm sh- I figure that's what it's about, but Maybe. it helps with that. Um, and it's technically free, right? It's just water in your shower or water in the lake. Mm-hmm. So you're not spending any some money. showers.
1: Like I've, I do cold showers all the time too. And some, some showers don't get cold enough.
0: Yeah, That's what I don't. Some showers don't it.
1: get, I have to, I have to sometimes like to get it a little bit colder. What I would do is, um, I would turn the water on really, really hot just to get it cold.
0: Mm. Yeah, I hear you. It's something that my shower does sometimes too. It just doesn't, gets almost lukewarm. So it kind of defeats the purpose. You're looking for the cold because you want that resistance. Just that
1: drastic change, Uh, that shift. So like I'll like go really hot. So it's like my body is like so comfortable with that. And then just like a sharp cold Mm -hmm. and like just like, but... The cold, the cold, like the lake, for example. That battle between fight or flight is way longer, mm-hmm. and like the shower is not cold enough. So it's like once you get over that thirty seconds, you're like I'm cool now, I'm easy. But the lake is resilient. It's so cold that it's like that thirty second window becomes now four minutes of fighting, and you're like <clears throat> that like deep. I call it like when you're like in that like. <gasps> Mm-hmm. That Like when you're in that hyper, like, th- like in, a, in a shower, it only lasts like maybe 30 seconds of like, like panting. And then like you find your breath. And then weirdly enough, in my mind, sometimes the water feels hot to me after a while. Mm-hmm. Like once you like get over that, bu- like that bump, it just feels like normal water. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you do like lake, ju- like plunges and all that kind of stuff. You're like, I don't know how long I can take the, because <sighs> it's not stopping. It's just like, it's continuous. And mm-hmm. then it doesn't feel like the water's getting warmer. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And then the fight or flight is in. And then you either, you yeah. either jump or
0: you you stay. But that, I, that's what the biggest lesson is that moment right there, 100%. It's that controlling of being able to say, like, my body's trying to respond in a specific way. And I want it to respond in a different way. Can I do that? Mm hmm. And it's, it's a lot of control. It's a lot of emotional control, a lot of physical control, a lot of mental control, and you just, you learn how to navigate things in a more powerful way. You just really feel empowered after that. But I actually feel like cold plunges are actually easier than showers because the cold plunge you're immersed. Like you're in it already. There's no like different part of your body that can get hit. So your whole body's trying to adjust where the shower is like, you have to do a circle and you have to get like your head and your shoulders and your Mm. legs. And you don't really feel it the same way. Whereas the cold plunge, it's like your whole body's in this water right now. Right. So figure out how to do that. And it gets to that warm spot. I find easier that like feeling of it being warm. I feel like it actually comes quicker in the lake.
1: It comes quicker in the lake. It that's co- interesting. I would argue that for Qu- sure. Quicker. It's like it's like below 0 degrees in the lake. It's um, like not that cold in your shower.
0: depending on where you go. Yeah, it's 2 degrees, 3 degrees I think in Toronto right now. Is the water 2 waters. degrees of the water. 2 degrees, yeah. Nope. Does, I don't think it gets to 0, they said. Cuz it freezes at 0. But actually. I think at some of like the smaller pools when it's freezing, that's obviously at 0, but the, the actual lake coming off of um the beach and stuff, that's like 2 to 3 degrees. Yeah, that's yeah. freaking cold. That's absolutely
1: cold. Yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah. don't like, like getting that to feel warm yeah cannot be faster than your little shower head like i'm gonna argue your shower head's for sure gonna get warmer faster mm-hmm. for sure you're not gonna take a you're not gonna make a lake feel warm in quicker than two minutes your shower is no i think, definitely I, think easier. It's,
0: I think it's quicker than two minutes i think i think, you you think it the is. lake
1: is easier than you think the lake is easier to feel warm than in your shower yeah, with actually. the cold water on. Yeah, it.
0: for me, it was. Okay, I'm going to yeah. move on to my mood check. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's absolute talking rubbish. Um,
1: yeah, my week is sweet. Um, I, the biggest win for me was if you're in Toronto, you know, finding a condo is one of the most annoying processes of all time. Um, so that process, on top of everything that you're doing, was just kind of lingering in the back of my mind, super annoying. Um, but got a place. Uh, now you got the second most annoying part moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but big win. Happy to have the win. Happy to have that box ticked. Big win. Um, get to change a whole new environment. Um, so, you know, the pandemic and, you know, head and stuff like that. I'm excited that I get to move on to like a new, new space. And now I get to navigate it. And because the things will feel new to me, like I'll be like trying to work it out and the environment won't feel so like I'll be able to kind of shed the COVID. Like our last apartment felt like the whole pandemic, you know? So being able to like get out of it, it's a, I feel like going to be a great headspace. Um, so I'm excited about that. What else is going on for me right now? That's about it, man. That's like the biggest, the biggest, just working. It's a lot of mental space with that. A lot of mental space. The apartment? Moving, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's grueling at first, right? And then I always say that I can't wait for that one night where you're sleeping in a new place because you don't even sleep well the first couple of nights either. It's all new. The walls are new. Everything's new. Um, But when you get that first good sleep, a new place where things feel like or you feel like you come home and you're like oh this is home mm-hmm. that's the feeling i'm excited for uh that's a feeling that i can't wait for but right now it's just a lot of work that's ahead of us but exciting work Love that. um what you were saying too about the discomfortable thing like it's going into like a lake like that right and like finding i used to often say that like i try to find discomfort in any part of my day you know stairs versus the elevator like just to train your mind that the the route that's not the easiest is better to do more often so that when you get to take the easier route you actually a enjoy it more and you're not wired to go for the easy route all the time you know and so when you get to work on a monday and you have 40 emails to reply to if you've been taking on discomfort all week it's just another it's just another level of discomfort you're just like oh cool like you know i just did a nine minute plunge like 40 emails what's that But if you've been, like, actively seeking comfort for 40 days straight, every time you're faced with, like, you just had that, your body reacts. Like, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this. And that's what I love about cold showers and, um, you know, above and beyond hair, skin, and all these other benefits. It's just this mental, like, you get faced with something, and your body doesn't go wired to figuring out the easiest way to do it. You're like, I can do it the hardest way possible because I always seek the hardest way possible. That's what I love about those mental games. And that's what I love about... Um, challenging yourself and getting obsessed with being uncomfortable. Uh, Sometimes I'm too obsessive, obsessive about it. And I'm, everything is uncomfortable. And then like, I find no peace in what I'm doing at all. Um, But to seek out uncomfortable moments where you wake up, you see your bed is not made. Your body's not going to react to just leave it unmade. You're going to be like, ah, no, I'm going to do it real quick. Because like that, you're going to have a thought. You're not going to be lazy because you're just like you're wired to challenge yourself. If I just did a cold shower and I come out, whatever task is in front of me, right, the first thing I'm not going to say no to. It. I just did. A, I just like mm-hmm. went through an annoying process of I was in this warm bed and I went to a cold shower, and you just start your day off with a bit more pizzazz, a bit more like I'm willing to do it. And then when the evening comes, you're, you know, they say willpower fades, right? Like your willpower is at the highest in the morning. They say do your hardest task in the morning, right. and slowly, kind of as your willpower weighs off um, you know, have your lighter tasks at the end of the day so that you're like, you don't need as much willpower to fight through them. Mm -hmm. Having that big, big, big boost of energy, right? At the beginning of the day where you take on something way uncomfortable, I feel like just sets you up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I usually, I used to do it all the time, but now I'm more so if I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to be a part of the day. Essentially. I'm like, Oh, it's already a drag. Hasn't even started. I'm like, not cold shower today. Just so that I get that little, I get over that mental hump early, you know. So it's not bleeding into two o'clock, three o'clock, and I'm just like, I have high important work to do, and my mood is not there. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Those are some of the reasons why I like kind of what you were saying, and absolutely. And what I what I like about what you're saying is the concept of this. I think probably misunderstood definition of what flow is. I think a lot of times like flow is seen as this comfort space. It's easy. You know, you know, you can do it. All blah 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 blah. But the most often flow arrives is when we're being slightly challenged past our edge, right? So taking the stairs versus the elevator, I love that example because you don't want to do it, but you know, you're capable of doing it and you know, there'll be a benefit. So if you can choose that route, you're way more likely to find a flow, which essentially creates a peace of mind in that stair moment. Even though you're like, man, this is hard, man. I like, like I should have took the elevator, whatever, like all of those moments, you're only there in that moment there, you're nowhere else. You're just you in the stairs, right? But if you take the elevator, where are you? I'm at work, I'm at home, uh, in my mind, you know, I'm in this elevator talking to people, where are you? Like, we don't know where you are in your mind. So there's no flow there. It's almost more stressful to take the You're elevator engaged in the experience. Yeah, exactly. And so I really like that concept and the cold shower does that for sure. It's, um, it forces you to the present moment, which is a really powerful thing. It's just to be here. Nowhere, mm-hmm. not anywhere else. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that all day. I think Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. discomfort. I love that. Yeah. But to get back into the concept of today's episode, we are talking today about men and leadership. So last week's PQ was, why do you think men feel the need or desire to always be the leader? So we started talking about this just the other day about men and leadership. And I think we are aware that the majority of, I guess, positions in leadership roles are men. At least from my experience, uh, from all of the articles that I've read, the studies have shown that more, more men are in leadership roles, and so then we got to thinking, you know, what does it take for a man to be a good leader? But then also to add to that is why is that such a, a large gap, and is it based strictly on societal conditioning or social pressure, or is there something deeper in that in that realm? So, as far as our experience goes, we've both been in restaurants for a long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know what that's like. We're both kind of out of that space now. And we're both sports, sports. Yeah, absolutely. Forgot about that one. We both are in sports and sports requires a lot of leadership spaces, depending on your kind of personality. So what's your experience with leadership? Let's just start with there. What is your experience with leadership? How has it treated you? How have you been involved in it? What did it look like?
1: At a young age, I was attracted to leadership. I loved the like coaching aspect of it. I loved the idea that you could learn something and pass it on leadership but what I learned growing up was I learned leadership through one channel and that was sport it was almost like I only understood leadership from like leading in the front front of the pack because in sports a lot of leadership comes like you get named team because you're the best player on this team mm. right so a lot of it had nothing to do with kind of how you were putting the group together or mentoring or coaching it was a lot about your abilities so in right. the beginning being a good leader was to
0: be the best Right. Best player equals captain equals leader of the team in a sense, which is still prevalent today, I think.
1: Which is still prevalent unless you don't have quite the, you know, a great example right now is like the, the Clippers. Kawhi is probably the best player on the team, but is he the best leader? Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, he's, he, had, he lacks leadership qualities. You know what I mean? Like he's someone else needs to be the leader. The teams that he was successful in, like the Raptors, when he played on the Raptors. Kyle Lowry is the leader. Mm hmm. He just shows up in place, mm-hmm. right? So I think that when we were younger, though, when you're like seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, it was strictly because there wasn't the mentorship part into it. It was just who's the best? You're the captain, you know, and the competitive nature of men. I feel like we were like, we're just fighting to be the best. So we weren't even really fighting necessarily to be a leader as much as we were to fight to be the best player on this team. Mm. I think it changed when you get older, and you get into universities and you start playing higher level sport where it's like, oh, the leader of this team is necessarily not the best player on this team. And then you realize, oh, there are certain qualities that are different about a leader. And then now you got to learn those things, you know? And so that's when I really realized that like, you know, it was probably like high school when I realized like, oh, leadership isn't a thing of just being the best because I was not the best player on my basketball team, but I was definitely a leader on my basketball team. And that's when I realized that, oh, leadership looks different and it can look different. And once you start engaging in that, you start to now move the needle away from what we were talking about, how like, you know women and minorities and stuff aren't in these leadership positions because the business world or the the economic world was perceiving business how we used to perceive it in sports the best is there like who makes the most money or who has the most connections is going to get that spot but as sport has kind of taught me that doesn't make any sense anymore does it leaders should be the people who have the most leadership skills Mm. the most so when you see these some of these businesses it's like they're the person at the top or the people in the the c-suite they might just be the best at the job but they're not the best leaders like right. if you went up to them and spoke to them like would they make you feel empowered are they inspiring are they do they listen to you are they like do they care about your life story are they trying to help you get become the better or they care about their own agenda you know and that's where i think that the leadership gap is lacking in the world is that we've spent so much time putting energy towards who's the best and it's cracking now because who's the best isn't the best leader And it's showing up in different areas and now we have a really really lopsided you know representation of like these really big positions where there's a lack of women there's a lack of diversity um that's kind of getting off the topic a little bit but i think that it's just leadership is at when i was younger it felt like the best and as i got older i realized that's not necessarily the
0: case let's take it back to there then when you were a kid and you felt like you were going to be the leader you felt like you had to be the best to be the leader but do you know or can you reflect on like where that even came from because i feel like there are men out there who don't feel that way until they're quite older when they're looking into the business world right they go through all of these years maybe they didn't play sports they played something different uh, or in arts and whatever and they didn't have that aspiration to be a leader but predominantly it seems like men almost it almost feels like we come out of the womb being or want needing to be the leader when you were a kid, you felt that same way. Do you feel like, you know where that came from? and Why you felt that way? Competitive, just
1: competitive, competitive nature. Just, it, you weren't, it wasn't that. If I were to phrase it more appropriately, I didn't care as much as being a leader as I did at being the best. Got it. And I just knew that when you were the best, you become a leader. So it was just, a so it's just, yeah, like result just, of. exactly. So like, I'm saying like, I liked leadership because I was like, Oh, if you're a leader, you're the best. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best. You know what I mean? So it was more the competitive nature that kind of brought that out of me. But then I realized once you become the best and you become the captain, and you look around you're like, oh, and then leadership changes, right? So as you get older, it wasn't about being the best anymore. So now you're in the best position, but you're like, you don't have the verbiage. You can't lead. You don't have the right skills. That's when I was like, oh, leadership is a skill set. It's not mm-hmm. just a title that you just get to, you need to have tools to do the job. Leadership is an occupation.
0: It's not a title. You don't get it because you're the best. So it's almost like this unspoken concept, I feel like not even just in sports, but in general, I feel like it transcends into all areas where if you're the best, then you just continue to try to be the best, right? Naturally, that's, that's fair. But then people around you look up to you in that sense, as the leader, because you're the best, not because of the way that you're treating them, but just because you are the best at the job. So they don't really second guess the fact that you're the leader. They just assume its role and I remember uh, the reason that I'm even speaking on this is I remember being on soccer teams growing up and I wasn't really ever the captain, I guess, but I would argue that I was the best performer on the team in the sense of like I was, I don't want to let my ego come through too high here. <laughs> I want to be a little bit humble, but I, I'm if, a, if you're a teammate of Kyle's and you were better than him, <laughs> Comment in the chat. That's all I I (laughs) think about. Comment. Let me know. Let me know how many pens you put in. So for me, it was it was like I was a striker, so I was the person essentially responsible for scoring the goals, right? And so that was my role. And because that's my role, I'm often deemed in that way. Kind of like the this again. The humility is going to come through for a second, but like. Like Ronaldo, right? Oh my! I'm not comparing God. myself to okay. Ronaldo, but if you think of him on his team, yeah, yeah, he yeah. might not be the captain, but he's the one who's on that team, in a way, putting down the most tangible results, right? So he's the one scoring the goals. And he's that guy, exactly. Got nobody. And so that was kind of me. But does is Ronaldo the best leader? I I don't know. I couldn't say. It. And that for me, when I was looking back on my experience, I don't think I was expressing leadership in like a really tangible way i was more leading by example
1: let me push that for a second
0: do you think that
1: ronaldo just has a
0: different leadership style when you say is he the
1: best leader for example because like i think michael jordan too right Mm. so michael jordan ronaldo it's like yeah we might not we don't think that they have the best leadership qual but does that leadership style work
0: Mm. what's best leadership style mean I feel like that's a deep, deep road. Um, I think for, for men, it works in different ways. And I think one of the hiccups is that we use anger as a way to portray our leadership skills. Mm. So if I, if I'm able to get you to do what I want, then I'm a good leader. Mm. I feel like that's where a lot of leadership characteristics have can you steer the ship developed can you steer the ship yeah so basically if you're in that leadership position you're at the top you're in the C suite if you can get the results that they're desiring above you or even just for the business then that is perfect but i think it's about the way that you go about it determines what's best and what's not are you creating a good company culture are you creating respect lines are you allowing people to be the who they want to be and live the life they want to live not the life you want them to live there's so much that goes into it so i nice. think of even michael jordan for example, example, he was a very abrasive leader, right? Like you watched the documentary. He was in your face, right? He was pushing your buttons. He was challenging you. And a lot of people thought he was a dick, right? But that leadership style worked in that position because in a sense, people were looking at him and saying, you're the best. We know you'll take us there. So let's do this. Now was the company culture great? Well, that's arguable, right? But it got the job done. And so that's where I feel like, was that the best way? Maybe not. But the best way he knew how. At the, the best time. way he knew how exactly. Because um, in the
1: documentary, that's the one more vulnerable moment he has when he's crying is that he he didn't want to be misunderstood by his teammates. Mm-hmm. He was like very emotional about that section. He said that like I just I just I never wanted them to think that I hated them or like I was just trying to push them. And you could just tell he was like seeing his leadership style and like just like contemplating how he felt about it, you mm-hmm. know. And it came out very emotional because he didn't want it to be taken the wrong way but he knew that it was going to steer the ship and get the job done. Right. That's all he knew at the time was this is going to work for right now. And that's so, this is super interesting that you brought that up. I think that's great.
0: For me, I think where like the biggest line needs to be drawn or is important to look at is, is your leadership style respecting or disrespecting? I feel like that's just a really easy question to any leader out there, whether you're, whatever gender you identify with is, are you leading with respect or leading with disrespect? And I feel like that's really going to be able to help you navigate what that looks like. But for me, when I was using, you know, the leading by example, for instance, when I was in sports and I was trying to be the leader, I was leading by example. And since I was trying to be the hardest worker and show people like you can, you know, do this and whatever, but I didn't talk to them. In a sense, like I wasn't out there being like high praise. I was more actually focused on myself, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting looking back. Is I was the leader who tried to make sure that he always looked the best and was the best, but I wasn't like saying, hey, like, how about we try this next time? Or hey, like, you and I, let's have a conversation. Cause this is, From what i understand this is how you did it is you were that talker you were Mm -hmm. that connector and i was more the one that that was trying to lead by example without speaking Mm -hmm. and that's why i wasn't really ever captain of the team or put in those kinds of positions is because i wasn't having those kinds of conversations but i also wasn't like disrespecting anyone i was more silent than i think i was loud Mm -hmm. but that leadership style was a way that i guess i guess led my team but It didn't get the best results. It didn't yield the best results Mm -hmm. because there wasn't like a camaraderie in a sense. There wasn't that, that community built within that team of, you know, he'll lead us there or, Hey, like go ask him a question or what have you, that wasn't there. It was more just, we know he does what he does and we know he's really good at what he does. So he'll get results for us, which I actually think is a great comparison to our current leadership in the world is that they know they'll get the results. So let's just put them in those leadership roles. But are they getting the people results rather than the business results? Right. And that's where the imbalance is. That's actually why I left my previous job is because that exact query. So, but for you, you had that, that relationship, right. With people growing up in basketball, like you had a different style of leadership.
1: Definitely. And I think that what came up for me now when you were talking there was like almost like an epiphany, like almost like a, like a, like, oh man, like I think, I think for a team to be successful, you kind of need both. Because what, what, the, what the leader in the front of the pack or what the leader that is like a little bit more of like, hey, this is what we're going to work really hard every single day. We're going to like do what that person does is it maintains the work ethic of the group. Mm. But what they lack is the ability to be, I guess, empathetic and compassionate to the struggles along the journey. Mm. Because they're just a push through, show up, you know, it's another day at work, it's another day. And so you have that kind of like that pulse, but a journey is long. It's, not just the, it's just not the pounding the pavement all the time. And so what the other leader in the back does is it keeps the group maintained and aligned and together and connected. And so when you put those two things together, a relentless work ethic and a group that's together and committed to a goal, those are the teams that probably win the most. You know, it's when they have both of those things. And when you have teams that just have one or the other, like they have that guy who comes in every day, does his job, sets the pace, sets the example, and he's a great like player leader in those capacities, but you don't have the guy who's bringing the group together, they don't got the glue, it falls apart because the storylines all don't go together. You said leading for results and leading for the people, if there isn't a leader that's leading for the people and there's only the one that's leading for the results where so when the people, their goals don't start to show up or their emotion isn't invested in the overall goal, it falls apart. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone who's driving the results and someone who's driving the people, ooh, powerful. I feel like that's, I feel like maybe I've always seen that in my mind, but it's never got put together like that. Right. I feel like it just happened in this moment where, mm. oh, I get it.
0: Right. I get if you it. Lead, if you lead with the people, the results will inevitably come if you're leading with the people. But if the people don't know how to work for the results, then no one sets that pace. Then there's, no,
1: there's nowhere to go. There's no pulse. We have a group that's together, but we don't know how to work. We don't believe. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have anyone. like The, the Raptors, you could argue that. Like, they were been together. What happened? A dude just came that knew what like, I'll show you guys how to get there. Mm. And this group was already together. Right. The Raptors were already together. They were a team that was winning you know, 50 plus games in the regular season. They just couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs. They just didn't know how to. You bring in a guy like that who's a completely different leader. It's like, it's not about being together. It's about just like, this is what it takes. I've won a chip before. Mm-hmm. So if you guys don't believe it, and I'm telling you guys, you guys can do it too. A Little bit of belief, a little bit of like, hey, this is how we get it done. Little bit of a sh- like, you know, I'm gonna show you guys how to do it, right? Give me an inch, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out the rest. And they were already a together group. So it was like, they just needed that one more piece and look what happened. Mm-hmm. You look at what happened, you know? Take him to a team like the Clippers who weren't so together. They bring in all these new pieces. They got all these stars. They're not, they're not together from the point where like the head coach and like their second best player don't really get a lot. Doc Rivers and Chris Paul or Paul George were not seeing eye to eye. We've got all the stars in the world. You've got all the reasons to be successful. You have all the reasons to drive results. There's nothing for the people. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get together. They couldn't get united. So I think that there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And mm-hmm. I think that the world is trying to move towards a place where, um, where we're result driven, but we're people focused.
0: Right. So bringing the conversation back to men then, why do you think men have this innate desire almost? It feels like to be a leader. Where does that come from? Why do you feel, why do you feel like we as men feel that drive? Cause I know I I'd have, you know, you did right. you you said it was from competition, but now we're adults. Things are a little bit different. Uh, we're in different spaces and yet I still find that even for me, I'm still in this desirable space to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes don't even see it in my own space. It just, it's just happening. And then I have to like take a step back and I see it for what it is. And I can see that it's happening, but that's rare. I feel like it's just, it feels almost like it's like a natural thing. Like it's just what I'm supposed to do for, for you. Is that something you feel? Do you feel like you want to be a leader in life? Do you know why you want to be a leader? Like maybe even, should we talk about business or should I talk about relationships? Should we dumb it down a little bit or just in general, like why do you think we need to be a leader so bad?
1: I think that's one those feelings don't go away from when you're a kid. You know, I think the way it might go away is if you desire to be a leader at one point, then you became a leader and you didn't like how it felt. Mm. Every time I've gotten to a leadership position, I loved it.
0: What did you love about it?
1: Mentorship, education, coaching. There's nothing I love more in this world than learning something and then sharing it. Mm. That is like my favorite thing. Go out, learn something, share it to someone who's looking to get there or looking to and also share it to them in a way that was less stressful than the way I learned it. Easing their pain, easing their like road to there. it's not going to not be, it's not going to, it's still going to be hard. But sometimes when you learn something, you've learned it in one way and it's like, you got the roughest version of that. Like, oh, could we have taught this person in a better way? I feel like my brain likes those challenges of going through something and then giving it back in a way that was a lot more simple. So like you'd be at practice, things wouldn't make sense. You would figure it out. I would just feel, I could feel the urge to want to share, to want to share, to like, to give that back, to give that back, to give that back. And so I feel like that feeling has never left my body. And once I got a taste of it, I only wanted more. Mm. I didn't want less. Where sometimes there's people who get put in leadership positions. They don't want to be a leader. They're like, I just show up every day. And I just do my best. And I know you guys want me to be a leader because I'm good at what we're doing here, but I don't have that feeling towards wanting to share. I just like for for me, what brings peace is just coming in here and doing my best. Mm -hmm. That's what I like. And so I think that that's where it might differ. Um, but men are also pushed out there, encouraged, pushed. Like I often like the, you know, a visual is like if, if we're going back to that cold plunge, for example, I feel like if you're at the edge and you're staring at the water, a lot of men. Are staring leadership in the face and they're thinking they're pondering they're pondering and they're just hearing all kinds of encouragement from society to take the jump. there is no lack of if you're a guy who's staring leadership in the face and you want to do it there's no one that's going to be like no 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 no, that's not for you tons of support to get like it's almost forced on you to kind of like if you're thinking about it do it do right. it do it where i feel like what women are going to say is that they even they'll be at the end of the water and their conversation is the opposite hey hey don't go in that water Come back, come back, come back. They're hearing the opposite. And they want to jump. They want a leadership position. And they're being told the opposite. And so as a man, if you're going through life and every time you come into a leadership, you're getting more encouraged and motivated and they'll sell you leadership. But, you know, in terms of, um, I think you could be a good leader. You know, like, I think you could be, a, like, they sell you leadership as a way, like, as a man, it's easy to get into a leadership position because it's there's nothing that stops you. There's no barrier that stops you from getting there. It's like, if you're contemplating it, you're going to feel the wind at your back and not at your face. If you're a woman and you want leadership, the wind is at your face. Or if you're a minority sometimes and you want a certain position of leadership, you feel like the wind is at your face, not at your back. There's mm-hmm. a big difference, right? So there's levels to it. There's the, the, the men and women gap. There's also just like the race gap as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think different people feel different things. And, and for me, it's not only have I loved, like I'm at the point now where it's like, I don't even care if the wind is at my face. I like leadership way too much. I'm going to work through it. I want to be a leader. It's like, a, it's like an innate feeling for me. Like I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, versus there are some people who the wind is at their back and they still are like, oh, I don't want leadership. Like I don't want to be a leader or they wanted to at one point, they tried it, they didn't like it. But I feel like that's the biggest kind of difference with society is whether the wind's in your face or in your back. And I think that a lot of
0: men the winds at our back. And some of us don't want that feeling. Absolutely. Some of us do not want to be leaders. And that's what I was uh, attaching to in that whole conversation is just this idea that uh, as a man, we almost feel like it's a necessity. Like if we're not going to be a leader or we don't have that desire, then something's wrong with us when there's a lot of men who don't want to be in that role and they're good with being in a different position or just kind of doing their job in different ways and not necessarily being the the top of the level c-suite kind of person they don't they don't want that responsibility they don't want to take that on and what i really struggle with is that they just they're looked at in such a downplayed way like they're less than a man, less of a man and they're not worthy and you know you must not be capable of being a leader which is at some level it's like you can be a leader in your own way you can be a leader in the family you can be a leader in your own life like there's so many other ways you can be a leader it doesn't have to be in your business right and i think that's where we feel a lot of pressure i know for me as well as i feel a lot of pressure to be in that position and i honestly sometimes don't even know if it's something that i want sometimes or for something that i'm just supposed to do and that's mm-hmm. where i really. I just have to think about it a lot. He's like, is that position what I want? Is that where I want to go? Why do I want to go there? What's the value for me? And I'm similar to you. I, I enjoy teaching. I love coaching. I love being a part of people's progress. For me, it's always been the people. But I find that's rare because most people want that leadership position for status. Right. Right. They want to be in that position. So everyone else will look at them and say, hey, you're capable. But my question is, where does that stigma come from? Right. Where does the status... Stig- Um, stigma come from where like you're more valuable than I am because you're in that leadership position as a man. And so my life is less valuable until I get there. So we just constantly chase. We're constantly looking at that person and saying, I'm going to be them. I want to be them. I'm going to be them. And we just, we never focus on like, am I going to be me at some point? And what if I don't want that? Have I asked myself that question? But we don't, I find that a lot of men I talk to don't ask themselves that question. What if I don't want that?
1: Because plan B looks scary. Time B is is what I don't get the status, so I don't get everything that comes with the status, mm. right? If I don't achieve leadership, I don't achieve the highest thing, mm-hmm. and I set I want to take something less, then I'm going to be perceived completely different in this world. Mm. But I, I think I that, that
0: that right there is like it's not less though. That's the feeling. Though. But that's the feeling. Yes, exactly. That's it's, the feeling. It's feeling like it's less, but it's not because it's you're doing what's true to you. That's actually more. You're not being fake. You're not being inauthentic, right? You're expressing who you really are, but it's perceived from not only culturally and societally, but also from maybe even your partner. They look at you and like, oh, like he can't be a leader. So, you know, why would I be with him kind of concept, um, feel a lot of that is stories that we're playing it, but it's still what society makes it out to be is like guys or men are supposed to be in that position, which put, puts a lot of pressure. You know, I was actually just reading this article and it said that, um, obviously the Worst part about patriarchy is that it really affects women, right? We know that. But what we, I think, often neglect is that it also affects us. This idea of having to be in that role and having to be in that dominant position puts a lot of pressure on us and stresses us a lot. Oh, stresses us a lot as well. Not equally by any means, but there's a lot of pressure we feel. And that's all, that's hard sometimes to take on. We were just talking about this the other day, yesterday, how hard it is sometimes to feel like you are never in that position or never good enough in that position to the outside world or to the people closest to you. That's that's a really hard story to continue to play out in our heads. Especially when you always just
1: feel like less than, mm-hmm. right? You wake up every single day and you feel less than the status that you're chasing, you know? And, and then life ends up becoming this chase of status and you're only going to feel like a, you know, a man or a contributor or a value when you get the status. But mm-hmm. the whole journey on the way there, you're like not, you're not even really a man the whole time. You're just, you're a guy who's working towards being a man and you're whatever the this quiet space is before the status. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's this, like, that's the part that like, I would hope to like, we talk about the process a lot these days and we talk about the journey. Um, but what we haven't really expressed is just like, the feeling in the journey you know Mm -hmm. like this feeling we're not addressing the feeling it's like we've we understand it's a journey but all it's made us do is like acknowledge that like yeah there's a journey and it's gonna be it's gonna be a ride you're gonna learn a lot but i'm still gonna be not a man until i get to the end till i get to the status till i get to the moment that i you know i did it and whatever the case may be um and it's, 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 there's a lot being lost in that process, I feel like, because to not really feel like yourself for that long or to ever feel good about who you are when you wake up for that long, I feel like it can have long-term effects. You know what I mean? It's like you haven't been living, you haven't been happy with who you are for this whole entire time, mm-hmm. right? Same, say, say you're, at your, you're at your worst fitness level right now, right? And you're working towards becoming so the whole, let's say it takes you three years to get to the point of like you have the muscle that you wanted and in your, you look closer to what you're thinking in your mind. You're never ever perfectly there, but you're closer to the person you're thinking about in your mind. That whole entire journey, are, are you just like numb? Then the whole three years, are you just numb? Almost. Because I think some, I think, and we're good at being numb. That's the problem. That is the problem. Yes. We're so okay with being numb for 10 years and not feeling anything. And we get
0: used to that feeling right because numb isn't a lack of expression of emotion we're not supposed to do that so we're, in a sense we're actually doing what we're told <laughs> which is terrible it's it's a big elephant in the room and with that coming into this study that i found there was a study done in um, buffalo it says university of buffalo and they were trying to f- decipher between obviously the gender gaps between men and women and why men are still more likely to be perceived as leaders than women. And we know we're currently working through this, this stage right now, right? There's obviously with uh, Kamala Harris being vice president, those are huge roles, right? These, this is the way we want things to go. This is powerful. This is beautiful. And I think what this does is twofold. It really appeases the equality movement, which is exactly where we want to go. And I also think too, that it proves to men that you don't always have to be in that position. And that just because she's there and you're not, doesn't make you less of a man. Uh, It just means she's in that position. That's literally all it means. But one of the hiccups between both sides of the equation is this idea that leaders are looked at in a higher status if they show less emotion and if they show less connection. Mm. And that's, I think, a really challenging thing. So there's something in here. I'll read it off. It says, uh, we found showing sensitivity, sensitivity and concern for others, which are stereotypically feminine traits made someone less likely to be seen as a leader. However, it's those same characteristics that make those leaders effective. So because of this unconscious bias against communal traits and nurturing traits, organizations may unintentionally select the wrong people for leadership roles, choosing individuals who are loud and confident, but lack the ability to follow or sorry, to support their followers development and success. So that's the kind of concept we were talking about earlier right is this idea that they're focused on results and not focused on the people so they can get the results but the development side and the other people's success side is missing and that comes from us as men our inability to express that emotion however to add to that it's not now just like a thing men are doing right because that's such a looked at in a positive way women are doing it now too big facts, right? So this is just, just adopting men behaviors to get into those leadership positions. Exactly. So basically we want them to change. Exactly. So we're, what we're talking about today is this idea that, um, or even just starting just in this conversation is that we're almost in a way like we're attacking men for being bad leaders and not being really great in those roles and almost feeling like they have to be a specific way to be in those roles. But I find the conversations interesting is we're, we're easy to attack like a gender, let's say, but we're so weary of attacking the social conditioning and the societal pressures. Like we're not focused on that. We're focused on like the, the person, I guess, in a sense, when the problem isn't necessarily the person, the person's just doing what they're told. Right. That's why women are now adopting these same characteristics of not expressing emotion, being an absolute hard ass, right? Like, like men do and being, you know, overly dominant. Cause that's what's been looked at for so long by society as a successful trait, right? So we want to work away from that. But that's one of the hiccups is that men who maybe aren't that dominant person or that really loud person, they could be leaders if they wanted to, but they don't see themselves in that way. So they're not going to even attempt. So of course they don't want to be a leader because their qualities are more nurturing and they're more caring and they're more empathetic. Right. I, a great example is, is Simon Sinek, right? Mm. The guy's so in tune with the compassion and the care and the collective community that he's creating with all of this leadership movement. And yet in hit in a lot of people's eyes, he's not that dominant person. Like, um, let's say, I don't know, Andy, Andy Frasilla, mm-hmm. right? So dominant, very dominant, so in your face. Right? So he would be that, Ideal definition of a leader, mm-hmm. right? Versus Simon Sinek, you wouldn't see it that way. So what there? You, there's know, what's,
1: a- you know what's a great in between? Yeah, yeah. Gary V. Interesting, because he's willing to swear, he's willing to get in your face, he's willing to be passionate. He like you don't look at him and go, that guy is mushy. Mm-hmm. He looks tough, but the way he talks about empathy and stuff is like a whole another. Mm-hmm. So he's almost like I feel like that transitioning of turning corners because he's starting to show that like, hey, okay. You can still be this right, and show that like you care about compassion and empathy and all these things. Like I think I would slide him in right in between both those two dudes.
0: Interesting. Right
1: in the middle of them. That's an interesting conversation. And I think that it's guys like Gary Vee that start changing the narrative of what leadership looks like. Mm. Because he is people first. Like, he is people first. He is very much, but he can get in a room with all those dogs and still go Mm -hmm. toe-to-toe face-to-face and you don't look at him and think that he's not dominant you look at gary Vee, you're like this guy's dominant Mm. but listen to the words he's talking about talks about passion like empathy and care about other self-awareness the stuff that he cares about is more towards that nurturing
0: leadership style Mm -hmm. um but i feel like it took us seeing a guy like gary Vee to accept it he almost takes like the voice of andy Frasilla, that like loud in your face voice and uses that same voice to talk about those things like he'll swear and he'll yell and he'll scream. But he, in those moments, he's talking about kindness. Facts. And respect. Exactly what he's doing. Yeah. But he's just doing it in a really abrasive way, which I think. Because you're like, you,
1: in your eye, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what a leader looks like to me. Right. But and then you hear the words and you're like, that's not what they usually say. Right. <laughs> and it's like confusing where if you were to get someone who was all the way on the other side too early, you don't look like what I know mm-hmm. and you don't sound like what I know. So are you even what I think you are? Mm-hmm. That's the confusion,
0: which is a good conversation to add into the leadership space. Even just uh, a man space is the idea that expressing those nurturing traits makes you less of a man. It makes people look at you like you're more sensitive or incapable of showing or being a man because there's this idea that men are a specific way and they're only a specific way. And I think that's just that's just the wrong way to look at it. And I think that is harmful and more than it is helpful in the sense that we think men are supposed to be lack of emotion in all areas, not just leadership. When in reality, like these things are here, we have to address them. We have to work through them. You can't just throw a cap on the bottle and throw the bottle away forever. It has to be something we address. And it's a difficult journey for sure, because it's not that we're less of a man, it's that society makes us feel like that. And other people look at us in that way right? Like I know for me, I feel that pressure a lot. I'm not this overly abrasive human being that's trying to focus on dominance in any way, in any realm that I'm in. However, because I'm not that I know, okay, hold on. I don't know, but it's a a story that I I'm playing out in my head is that I'm looked at less than Mm -hmm. right. I feel like people are looking at me and they're like, oh, he's, he's too sensitive, right? He's too, he's too kind. He wouldn't be able to fight a lion, you know, like these, these unrealistic ideals, like these don't exist anymore. There's no danger like that, especially in a leadership position. Um, you don't have to be a shark. You just have to be a, for me, I feel like it's just, you have to be in tune with who you are and know who your truth is. And then you won't get eaten alive by that process because you're very connected into who you are, but it's a hard space to be in.
1: For sure. It's, I think what it comes down to is you still need to be able to be, get results. So, if you're a a male out there and you can get results, then you're good. You're in the leadership seat. Now, it's a matter of how does it look, Mm -hmm. right? So, I still think we need to fight to get results. I still think at the end of the day, life will always be about results, always be about, you know, putting your best foot forward and the results that you can produce with your efforts, inputs and outputs. Like, that's what life is all about. Um, But at the end of the day, you need to get to a point where when you get into those seats, we don't just copy what's been going on in history. Right. If you are fortunate enough to be in a leadership position today, find a different leadership style. Find one that A, resonates with you first and foremost, and B, is Mm people-focused. Right? Because if you're going to have a conversation about mental health, then you have to have a conversation about the leadership of the people that are putting those strains on the people that are struggling with mental health. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if I'm getting a lot of stress from work, my mental health is crippling because of my boss. Well, what are we doing? like? What are we doing? You're a leader, right? Like if you're a leader, then I shouldn't be coming home with your mental, I shouldn't be coming home with mental stress from you, right? Like it's, we could be stressful. We could be stressed out about work and getting places. I think stress in some capacities and the way you look at it could be different. Absolutely. I think stress is in your mind. Sometimes it's like, how do you go about that stress? Are you willing to ask for help when you need it? Are you willing to, you know, do you have a leader you can trust and go to and talk Mm. to about like when that, you know, it's a lot right now, man. You know, and I've been fortunate enough to have the, like, the people that I work with, my friends and all that stuff, like they, they're so like, they're great leaders in that way. They understand when to take things off your plate, put it back on. But there's just some, some leaders have just adopted this old fashioned style of brute and dominance and all these things. And so to change the conversation in the leadership realm is going to do two things. One, it's going to show the world a different version of leaders that are more, you know, nurture focused, they're result driven, they're people driven And so if we see more of them, what does that do? It elevates the importance of now women being able to come into the workforce and leading the way they want to lead without having to change their leadership style, Mm -hmm. right? Because if we see nurturing leaders that are men and we're like, this works, now you're going to empathize and open up to the idea that you could be a nurturing leader, which opens up the door for who, right? They can come in and start leading the way they want to lead without the harshness and without all of these other, um, so they're not being unauthentic in who they are as a person. And then if that trickles all the way down, that does what for mental health, for the Mm -hmm. employees, for the, see how like one thing can just like, it's a, it's a domino to me, you know, it's a domino effect of if we can start to get to a world where we start, you know, leading more towards a Gary V style, you know what I mean? Where it's people first and uh, high levels of accountability and um, finding different ways, you know, being empathetic, putting on other people's shoes and figuring out what they're thinking, how they're thinking, how they're feeling, leading from that perspective versus what I want you to do Mm -hmm. for my goals. That will trickle down to opening up the opportunities for other people to step into those leadership roles who feel like they can't be in those leadership roles right now because they're not dominant. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, once you get empathetic leaders, once you have people who are leading for people first, and you have a nation and a country and a world that's doing that, oh, holy, come on now, tell me that the mental health is not going to go down. Mm-hmm. Like, Tell me people are going to be in a better mental state because they feel like people got their back. Everywhere they're at work, they got their back. Someone's got. Someone's always got your back. You always feel like you got your back, man. Life is... Life is a way easier battle to go through when you feel like you got people got your back.
0: And I almost, something that I like about what you said, I almost like the idea that leadership is almost something that you, in a way, like shouldn't be aspiring to do. It should just be a byproduct of who you are and what you're doing in a sense. And I'll explain is when you're in, when you're constantly focused on a leadership position, I find that that's because your ego wants to fulfill that. And you feel like there's this level of impression and that people will look at you better and that you have to be in that role and i know this to be true for myself when for example when i was a bartender right versus when i was a manager right i felt a whole different way right because all of a sudden i felt like i was in charge and my ego felt good and i felt almost fulfilled by that but when i was a bartender right i felt less than and i felt like i wasn't succeeding but we've had this conversation bartenders tend to make more than managers in that industry anyway more. so it's like what (laughs) if you're chasing what are you chasing? Are you chasing money in the leadership role? Are you chasing status in the leadership role? What part of that are you chasing? And is that coming from your ego, which it likely is where I see a really good benefit of it is if you're in any position, whether you were a bartender or a leader, let's say, um, a setter, a buster, a setter, a busser, whatever. If you are not just doing your position, but you're also supporting everybody else's success in that same moment then you're just going to naturally be looked at as a leader. So you don't even have to actually have to try to be a leader. It's going to be a byproduct of your actions, which I think is a beautiful way because it comes more deep rooted in your concern for the well-being of others and this business you're in than it does your success. And that's where I feel like some of the greatest leaders have stemmed from. It's just this constant desire to serve the people around them to serve their success. That's kind of what Gary Vee does, right? He's do try, try this. Do that. Go garage sailing. Like all of these normal things that you have the ability to do. And he's not saying that's the only route. He's saying there's a thousand and twelve other ones you could also take, right? So he's trying to give you all of these different ways to do it, and that his way wasn't always the best way. He's very open about that. And so that's where I feel like he just became a leader, almost as a byproduct of the fact that he was so concerned with a lot of other people's success, and still is. And that's what I loved about my position in a leadership as a man is that I wanted other people to succeed. The only hiccup is that I got lost in the cultural aspect of it, where I felt like I needed to be doing more for myself in the sense of like, I needed to prove myself and I needed to do like, it was, it was about me a lot of the Mm -hmm. time, which is where the ego is really playing into account. And I think that's where, a lot of men struggle with is that the ego comes through and the competition comes through and all of a sudden it's not just you trying to support the whole benefit of other people. It's like, Oh, that person's gunning for my position. I better do more or I better, you know, focus on them, not focus on what I'm doing. The, the ego comes through and says, um, I need to be the best. When you don't, you just need to support the well being of everyone being the best. And in turn you become the best. There's just so many other ways to go about it. But the, desire for success, I think is just so huge in the men's space. It's pretty much our whole focus in life is just succeed, 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 succeed. Wow. That's a hard one to do three times in a row. But, uh, an interesting thing to add to that is, um, how we, as men find it hilarious that women are so invested in beauty products and watching beauty videos. And on the other end, what we don't understand is that we're so invested in how do you wake up at 4 AM in the morning and how do you be more productive in a day? Like that's what we're focused on. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for us, it's like, it's just the understanding that we can just have a balance of both nurture and um, success. But the journey, like you said, is so incredibly important and the feeling that comes with the journey. And that's what it should be about because success isn't really, it doesn't fulfill you in a way like the leadership role. It only fulfills your ego. It doesn't really fulfill your life. Because there's so much more to life than there is that one role, and so I think it's just it's just a whole balance. I'm going on a rambling moment here, but that's no, that it was,
1: it was a great, it was a great ramble. And like a visual that kind of came to me at the end there when you were talking is like Olympic athletes. You know, they 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 train for four years in a row, and then they they say you get a gold medal. It's just it's just over. Mm. Like yeah, it's over. It's, a track star runs for like four like ten seconds, <laughs> like depending on what like you know what race you're doing. It's like you train for four years for like ten seconds, six seconds. And then you get a medal and then what? Mm-hmm. And that's just the journey that men are on right now is that like, and then what dude, like when you get this, when you get the gold medal, then what? Right. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, I hope that people can just, you know, start to be, start to feel more, like, feel like you are a man right now. And like, you know, just grow, grow in that space. Like you're not, you're not going to become a man when you accomplish the thing. Mm-hmm. No, you are one right now. You, you know what I mean? You don't, need, you don't need to let the world kind of put you in a box and say, hey, this is coming for you. You will be a man when you get this. You will be a man when you do this. No. No. You are that right now. Um, don't, don't buy into the, you know, the, the narratives that are all out there and just continue to grow and be a better version of yourself. You exactly. know, it's about being a better version, a better man. Not a man mm. Let's change the language Right Like I'm trying to be A better man tomorrow I'm not trying to Finally become a man mm-hmm. Because of what you guys Think that I should do Or how I should be And um, and those kind of things So mm-hmm. I think that's a I love lead. We could talk about this all day, but Mm. um, I think that this is a great topic and I think that there's a lot more to, you know, unpackage here too. You know, hopefully we can bring on guests that talk about it from, you know, how, why they felt that in business they had to be a certain way, even though they didn't want to be that way. Right. You know, I think that there's more to be spoken about. Um, We haven't been fortunate enough to be in those positions where you're leading teams of 50 or, you know, 30 or even 10. Um, I think it would be an interesting perspective to hear other people on how they felt about becoming a leader.
0: Absolutely. And, and one of the biggest things that I would love to leave everybody with that took me a while to understand and it actually really hurt my development of as, as a leader, as a man, is that I was so focused on leading other people that I forgot to lead myself. I forgot to lead my own life, right? So I wasn't leading outside of this business type thing. I was in a managerial position and I was responsible for leading these people, but I wasn't leading my own life in a way that would allow me to better lead them. So the best leaders are the leaders who lead themselves first and then support you in in becoming the best version of yourself. Um, You can't have that both because it's inauthentic and it doesn't really come through and you're more likely to respond with emotion and be, you know, egotistical and inauthentic and it's just a whole different route. So always focus on leading yourself, being like you said, the best man or the best human that you, you can be. And that I feel like will transcend and manifest into being uh, a great leader for other people.
1: So I guess just to kind of have some, you know, specific takeaways or tying the loop on the conversation, obviously we could talk about this all day. There's, it's not, you know, it's large, it's a big topic, right? It's, it's something that we've been going through, aspiring to be, we've seen leaders. Um, I think tying the loop for this conversation though, is what's your authentic self within wanting to become a leader? You know, like, I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways for me in this conversation is, you know, aspiring to be a leader is admirable. I like that, but is it because you want to be a leader? Is it because you feel like you'll get the things that you want in your life because you can be a leader, you know, Mm -hmm. or you're chasing a status and chasing that status inevitably means you have to go through leadership to get there, and so you're just aspiring to be a leader just to kind of clog up that lane for somebody else because you're chasing a status, you know, I think sometimes in pressure, I would challenge men to like, you know, ask yourself, are you creating the pressure for yourself in your own mind? Or is it actually the world? Mm. It's very easy for us to blame and say, Hey, society is making me do this, or I feel like this and I feel like that. And could we, could we go inward with that question a little bit? Could we say maybe we are forcing the agenda and it's actually not being forced on us. Mm. Um, that would be my takeaway is, you know, if, and for me, it, when I've asked myself that question I've, I've noticed that I still want to be a leader mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like my desire to want to be in that spot is authentic because I've asked myself the question I've looked around I thought about the people that were putting the pressure on me I felt it I have thought about it still came out on the other side wanting to be a leader like it's innately it feels right to me inside um, and so for me I'm going to continue down that path but I would I would implore that you you know that you you
0: do that same kind of thinking for yourself you know I like that concept. And what I hear in that is the idea of just making sure you're always taking responsibility for the decisions that you make, right? It's one thing to fall in line with social conditioning, but it's a whole other thing. And it, even just in the space of this whole podcast that we're talking about, not just leadership is that, yes, there are things that are easier to attach to and easier to do. And you just do unconsciously those exist. But once you've become aware of like in this conversation, why do you want to be a leader? Then it, once you've heard that question, or you've been made aware of something different then it just becomes your responsibility to choose something, whether it is that same decision, like you said, you choosing leadership or whether you don't. But at this point now, I feel like we're in a world where everything is so loud and everything is giving you an option to be who you want to be. And if you're choosing to fight against that, that's fine. But remember what you're choosing. Like this is still your responsibility to choose this life you want to live and to choose the actions you want to take. So in leadership, if you want to be that dominant abrasive one, that's fine. You can do that, but recognize you're choosing to do that. No one's actually forcing you to do it anymore, right? You can choose something different. You can always be the authentic, authentic self you want. And I really like that question. You asked yourself, of why do I want to do this? What's the, what's the point in me even being a leader? Where's the value for me there? And what is it going to do for my life? If it's something I actually want to pursue, is it something that's just going to make me feel worse or stress me out? And one thing I want to leave everybody with is that you can always become a leader. If you want to be, I feel like there's this concept out there that leaders are born and that you just, you just end up being a leader based out of, I guess your upbringing or because you're not a leader right now, it's not possible. You just have to be it already. Um, When I feel like leadership is a skill, right? It's not an innate ability. I feel like it's, a skill that you can cultivate if you choose to. So whether you want to be or whether you don't want to be, you can make that decision. But again, that's taking responsibility for your own life and the decisions that you make. But I feel like for me, something that I was reading here is the best vision, I guess you can have of being a leader, though I guess the most impactful one is having a mission for your team or organization is the best way or the best reason for being wanting to be a leader because you're focused on the people, not your own ego and your own, I guess, an essential success. Um, you want the success of everybody. So having that mission for you, your team and your organization. So to finish up today's conversation, we, want to lead into next week's episode with something a little different. We heard a really interesting statement that caught us off guard. It's been on our mind since we heard it. And the statement generally goes, women see marriage and children as a starting point to their life and men see it as an ending point. I'm just going to leave that as it is. What are your thoughts on that? What comes up when you're asked that question or told that statement? And we'll talk about it in next week's episode
1: thank you for joining us on another episode of the modern masculinity podcast if you haven't yet, please download, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you took any value out of this episode or you enjoyed this episode, please post and share with your close family and friends. You can follow us at our online
0: IG account, which is at Modern Masculinity. Make sure the C is a K. Remember, we're trying to represent the mask that men wear. So at Modern Mask, Masculinity Podcast. You can also follow us on our private socials. Mine is at Coach Kyle Rushton. And
1: mine is Anwar Ahmed 4. And uh, any kind of post share that you do helps us kind of build this community one listener at a time. So we appreciate um, all your efforts. And remember, we're here with you. We are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. Until next time. Peace.